As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Nguyen. We continue in off-season mode and... Uh, you know, we're, we're at the slow period of the time uh, as we await to see what exactly happens with these Raiders, what happens with Derek Carr. Um, we're still, what, about three weeks away or so from the deadline to uh, before his contract guarantees and trying to figure out, are they going to be able to trade him? Will they have to cut him? And uh, the Jets are one team that we kind of identified early on as, as a potential fit. And yeah, we'll see. I mean, they, they still could be a potential fit, but they did add Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator. And we know a year ago, even though they say it, it wasn't about that, the, the Broncos hired him with a lot of the common thought being that it was a ploy to try to get Aaron Rodgers there. Uh, and maybe that's what the Jets are aiming to do. But uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if that takes them out of the running for Derek Carr. When people look at this Nathaniel Hackett a hire with the Jets, especially with how uninspiring Hackett's uh, recent history, not even recent history, but overall coaching history has been as a offensive coordinator. All signs points that their focus will probably be to get Aaron Rodgers. It's going to cost them at least two first round draft picks, according to what you know the reports about what the Packers want, and that potentially could take out a uh, a, a real destination for for Derek Carr or a, a, a team that. Seems like they it would really make a trade for Derek Carr. Come on, man. Nathaniel Hackett got Blake Bortles to the AFC Championship game. Don't don't hate on him. He, he's got some stuff done. Jalen Ramsey got them to the uh, <laughs> AFC Championship game. <laughs> Who's also on the trade block? I mean, of the teams that you know could meet meet that price, the two first round picks for for Aaron Rodgers, to just do seem to make a lot of sense, just in terms of they believe that they have a championship caliber defense and they have some exciting talent on offense and. I mean, really, the, the interesting part of this, uh, I'm talking about having a sales pitch for him, but he doesn't have a no trade clause, you know, unlike the, you know, Derek Carr. And so 
he can sort of dictate where he goes, I guess. I guess he could threaten to retire or something of that nature. But if the Packers really want to trade him, they could just trade him to whoever gives him the, the best offer in reality. And so that's kind of an interesting layer to this that kind of makes it hard to pigeonhole him into one specific team at this point. So you're saying Derek Carr better than Aaron Rodgers because Derek Carr got the no trade clause. Hey, better at negotiating, I guess. I mean, you got that got that that tag in there, man. What was Aaron Rodgers thinking? No, no, no trade clause. Aaron Rodgers was Come thinking on, uh, about all the guaranteed dollars that he's got on his contract for next year, while while Derek Carr ha- has has the big fat goose egg. <laughs> I think they'll do right by Aaron Rodgers. So I have a hard time believing they'll send him to the Houston Texans. What faith do you have? <laughs> what faith do you have? <laughs> I could care less where Aaron Rodgers goes, man. He's such a tired act at this point. Every offseason, just like talking about himself and he wants to win MVPs. And where am I going to? Am I going to retire? I don't know. Am I going to go here? I don't know. And it just, it's just so, for me, it's so old. And he's old. So, I mean, he hasn't played that well the last few years. So really, it'd be worth all this uh, speculation and hype. I think um, if you are the Jets, it makes sense because I think you are close. I think you have a great defense. You have some good pieces on offense where I think you can go all in and trade your picks and for make a run at it this year. I think that makes sense. For most teams, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. For the Raiders, I don't think it makes sense. I think um, you can't really, at this point, where you are as an organization, trade one or two high draft picks for a guy who, is he 39? I think he's 39. He's a baby so, compared to Tom Brady. He's a baby. Great. That's great. But I just, um, I think it's just, uh, I think it'd be a bad move for, for most teams. But the Jets, I can see where it makes sense. I can see where Hackett, um, Maybe this time he succeeds in getting his guy. And so um, it's a, it's a, I guess we'll see what happens. Hey, man, you're a harsh critic, man. You say he hasn't played well the last few years. He's the back-to-back MVP last year. This, this past year? This past <laughs> year? No, I'm talking about last year. You said the last, last few five years. years. Last, fi- last five MVP years. He's had, what, two bad years? Two bad years in the last five years? And two MVP seasons. But what, what have they done? Have they won anything? Have they won anything in the playoffs? Oh, well, I don't. I, I do think that he's he's off. All his off the field shenanigans are definitely. Vic, Vic, out of just, hand. Vic just doesn't want to have to watch the Pat McAfee show every week if he comes to the Raiders. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is still an elite quarterback. We don't have to go. So to you guys think it makes sense for the Raiders to get Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like uh, if you can build up the rest of the roster while doing Which so, you probably can't because um, I think any 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 quarter any quarterback that they any quarterback that they get, I mean, the roster, it has to improve regardless. So, I mean, like, I don't think you pass on a top-tier quarterback just because your roster needs some work. Because, I mean, otherwise, what are you doing? Just, eh, we'll just settle for this average quarterback with this average roster and just go through another season of seven wins. And You're building a plan. You're building, like, a long-term plan of success. Isn't that what the whole thing is? Like the process, whatever we're doing? You have faith in the process? No, but if you have no choice if you're a Raider fan. I just think, um, for me, I wrote the, the Brady thing doesn't make a lot of sense, but that one I can get because it's not costing any draft picks. That one's just a guy on the free agent market you're going to pay a $25, $30 million. And if that's the way you want to do it, I can see the, the argument. Even though I don't, I don't agree with it. I can see why you would do that. Trading picks for a guy who's 39 years old, I don't see that making any sense. And no matter how good he is, and I'm not sure Rodgers is what he was you know, a few years back. I'm not saying that. I agree necessarily with trading Rodgers, but he also said he would, or he hinted that he his sixty million dollar cap hit next year. You know, he'll probably renegotiate that, or he'll he'll take some sort of pay cut. Um, I think that that's a big factor too, because yeah, paying you know one player that much money is going to seriously cripple any team's salary cap. It actually it ends up the cap hit gets split over uh this year and next year and so it's like 
I think about $15 million this year. And then it's like 30 something next year. So it wouldn't not, not too cost prohibitive in terms of his cap hit. Um, it's just if he stays on the Packers, because you know how the way that the signing bonuses and all that is just different for them than any other team that he gets traded to. So that's really not as big of a deal. As long as you're fine with being committed to Aaron Rodgers for two years, which I think you would if you trade two first round picks. But yeah, I think for the, the Raiders, I think they have to be aggressive at quarterback. Otherwise, they kind of just just end up in this no man's land because even where they're picking in the draft at number seven, like those top three quarterbacks, or at least the consensus top three quarterbacks are probably going to be gone if you just stand pat there. So even then, they probably have to trade up, use an extra first round pick from the future to go get a young quarterback if they like somebody that much. Maybe they don't like any of these young quarterbacks and, you know, maybe use that draft capital to go get a, a quarterback, you know, over the trade market. I think just, you know, run, running out there and signing, I don't know, Jacoby Brissett and like building up the rest of this roster and like being like an, another average, average team again next year. Like, I don't really know. Like with some of the, the, the contracts, I mean, they, they to me, if they're going to just do that, they have to take a step back roster-wise. Like you have to look to trade Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro or some of these other pieces that you have because otherwise you just kind of like end up going nowhere, which is kind of the worst place to be in the NFL. Like you either want to be worse and get a better draft pick or, or you want to try to get better and make the playoffs. And I don't really see how they get better with a quarterback that's worse than Derek Carr or one that doesn't really have any sort of long-term upside. Oh, I was going to say, uh, the, the two big mock drafts that came out this uh, past week, Daniel Jeremiah and Todd McShay, both had top quarterbacks available at the number seven spot and ha- you know went with the Raiders passing them up for uh, for tackles. So Yeah, I think that was a little bit of uh, Tom Brady predicting going on there. Yeah, our guy, Dane Brugler, you know, his latest mock draft from last week, he, uh, he had three quarterbacks gone by number five. He had... Uh, Bryce Young going to the Colts um, in a projected trade with the Bears at number one. Will Levis going number two to the Texans. Will Anderson, three to the Cardinals. Uh, Jalen Carter, four to the Bears. And then uh, yeah, the Panthers trading up with the Seahawks to take C.J. Stroud at five. And and, and that's what I was going to bring up. That That's one where I think you kind of go into— and Obviously, if they've signed Tom Brady already before then, um, you— you don't go into the draft day looking to quarterback at all. But say C.J. Stroud is sitting there available at five like he is in, in that mock draft. That's where, you know, maybe the trading up just a couple of spots. You know, you're not trading up into the, the top three, the top two or anything like that. But trading up a couple of spots, I don't think you're giving up a number, a future number one to trade up um, just a couple of spots. You, you know, Maybe you're giving up a two or whatever. That's where it could be worth considering um, if if they go to the draft and they haven't signed Brady, they haven't done anything for Rodgers, they haven't done something crazy like that, and they're still needing a quarterback, if Stroud is, is available at five, that's where maybe you consider a, a smaller trade-up. Yeah, I think they. I think Brooklyn did have the Panthers giving up next year's first to do that. They were going to four spots, so maybe, but they would have to be outbidding the Panthers. But the thing is, they have more draft capital than both of the teams that swung trade and that the Colts and the Panthers. And so if they want to, they can be as aggressive as anybody when it comes to moving up their draft board. And I think even if they don't, if they have a quarterback by that point, it might even be worth going up to get somebody like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, like a really surefire, at least what we think to be surefire impact defensive player, because at that seven spot, like it ends up being, yeah, the best player available is, is probably one of those tackles. And it's like, well, while, while right tackle is definitely a position they can have upgrade. Like, I don't know if a rookie right t- we, we we've seen them draft some first round right tackles and it's not an upgrade how you expect or, or sometimes it, it flames out. And so 
I think for what they need, I think it's best for them to come away with a quarterback or impact defensive player. And so I think either way it goes, like they they should explore trading up. I mean, they, they, they're they projected if they get those comp picks for Zay Jones and Quentin Jefferson, they'll have 11 draft picks. They have all their future picks. If they're able to trade their car for something, they would have more picks. I don't I don't know if they need, you know, 15 rookies, but if you can you know package some of that stuff and, and move up and, and get, you know, some more impact players, I think they should take that approach. So they should trade their car to the Panthers. To avoid them trading up. <laughs> sure. Yeah, get, get some little CMC picks. For positional value-wise, too, if you're taking a tackle in the top 10, I think you want it to be a left tackle um, rather rather than a right tackle. And those guys, some I think both of them are left tackles. And so they would be asking, like Alex Leatherwood, a guy to switch to the right side. Smooth, um, smooth and one of them, seamless, uh, seamless transition. Skaronsky has, like, short arms, and some people think he's a guard, which a lot of people thought Alex Leatherwood. Nah, I, just, it's, I know it's a different regime, and they didn't make that pick, but it just it just screams, like, stay away, don't do this again. If they draft a tackle at seven, that's uh, that's Tom Brady calling the pick in. That's Tom Brady taking the card up to the commissioner. So, I, I mean, uh, it's definitely possible, but I think it's uh, – it's a pretty good draft in terms of the quarterbacks available and the defensive impact players available. I'm not sure I'd be taking a tackle at, at seven. All right. Well, we promised we'd get to a bunch of questions, so that is what we are going to do today. And we're going to start with this one from Michael Kay. kind of addresses a topic we've been talking about here. He says, I get the thought behind bringing in a veteran QB like Brady for a year or so, but with this roster having so many needs and not just a QB away from being a contender, doesn't bringing in a Brady just put the Raiders in the same position a year from now when Brady retires with no long-term answer at QB? I think I'd prefer them to draft a QB like C.J. Stroud, even if it means some growing pains for a year or so. At least then they'd have a long-term answer at QB. With all the Brady rumors swirling, what do you put the odds at that they'd actually go with a long-term play and draft a QB with their first-round pick? Hey, Giselle's out the picture. Brady's playing till 50. I mean, it kind of depends because on the same token, you have all those holes. Like, the where they're picking, they're going to have to—I mean, we don't know for sure, but they're probably going to have to give up some draft capital to move up and get one of those quarterbacks which is obviously stuff they could use to go fill out the roster. And so you're going to have to, on that front, you're going to have to make some, some sacrifices somewhere um, in order to get a quarterback. This is a decision you make when you decide to make a change at quarterback. Like some kind of resources are going to be used up that you could use to improve the rest of the roster. And so it's not going to be copacetic on all ends with this, no matter which route they go. Like I think if you look at, you know, long-term sustainability, you know, drafting a rookie is, is always, you know, really the best move. It's the cheapest move. Um, you have that, that five-year window to, to make something happen. Do they like these guys? You know, we, we don't really know that yet. You know, they, they may not really be that high on any of these quarterbacks and, and want to look towards next year, which is, you know, perceived to be a, a more loaded draft class. Um, but, you know, and, and also it kind of depends on that timeline. I know, you know, Ziggler, when, when Vic interviewed him, you know, he said he's not trying to catch lightning in the bottle, but... How seriously are they taking this year when it comes to trying to win? Like, are, do they want to go to try to make a Super Bowl run and get a guy like Tom Brady? Or are they kind of sitting back and they don't really, you know, care if they're just a six or seven win team this year and, and draft a guy and kind of ride it out? And so I think we'll be able to tell before the draft gets here based on how they handle free agency outside of the quarterback position, even, you know, how aggressive are they in improving the offensive line, uh, beefing up the defense as a whole. And so, it's, it's kind of tough to, to gauge where they are from, from that standpoint. But if you had to pick one just in terms of taking that big picture, long term view, which either way it goes, like this coaching staff and, and this, this the GM, they're going to be here for a few years. Like, I think it's pretty clear they're not about to get canned if next year doesn't go well or anything of that nature. Then 
is to draft a quarterback. But at, when you're when you're sitting at seven, you don't really control your own fate in that way. I think if they were if they had lost two more games and they were sitting at number three overall, then we're having a different conversation. I think if you draft a quarterback, you're looking at a two year rebuild. You're not looking to compete really next year. You have a little bit more time to kind of build out the roster this offseason and the next offseason. Because with a rookie quarterback, you know, you're going to be expecting to go through some growing pains. I got two words for you. Brock Purdy, baby. That's what I was going to say. two words. Damn it. Seventh seventh round pick, baby. I would hope that the Raiders learned a lesson from last year. Last year, they kind of half-assed it. They're kind of like, we're going to go for it. Eh, not really. But yeah, we're going for it. No, we're not. And that's where we're 6-11. and So I think ideally you learn from that. And you, like you said, Mark Davis, they have a support. They have... I think that's some time. There's a window here where they can kind of exploit that. Whereas I think if you do get a veteran quarterback, you get Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers and say next year you're nine and eight, don't make the playoffs, then I think your job's in trouble. Then I think you've kind of screwed up your window where I think Mark's like, well, what the hell are we doing here? We've had two years and we've gotten nowhere. So I think that's why, for me, you learn a lesson, you make a more of a long-term plan, you get your five-year window with this, not you, but the team does, with this rookie quarterback in the first round. Ideally, he's really good. There's three top guys. There's a fourth guy kind of just below. But ideally, one of these three guys you like a lot, maybe move up to the fourth or fifth pick if you can, and, and you kind of get in. Maybe he's an impact guy. You don't know in the NFL these days. I mean, the guys who can run around definitely uh, can do some damage nowadays in the NFL. So, to me, that's the way to go. But um, what, what do I know? Brock Purdy's changing the NFL. Uh, Andy Staples uh, over on The Athletic has an article up Thursday morning looking at the next Brock Purdy. Who's going to be the next yes. uh, Mr. Irrelevant type? Uh, Who is it? Uh, there's a bunch. Uh, you know, we, he's got... Uh, yeah, I know Tanner McKee. Is that his name? Tanner McKee? No. Uh, he's got Max Duggan. Um, Stetson Bennett, who is like, you know, 35 years old. Uh, oh, J.K. Okay. We're, we're done. We're done. We're, we're we, going we, off. We, we got Jake Hayner, Fresno State. If you want to go Fresno State route again, <laughs> that's better than Stetson Bennett. So I'll give him that one. Yeah, are the Raiders going to get to like copy and paste the 49ers defense and get George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and all of them to come over too? Like, if they do that, then they can get any quarterback. What did, what did uh, Josh McDaniel say back when he was with the Broncos? He can make a high school. High school quarterback, all pro, or whatever the fuck. And, and they got to the get Shanahan room. calling plays, designing plays, getting guys open. So yeah, all right. Uh, this one, this question here from uh, Jeremy P. Uh, so reports are McDaniel's want to bring wants to bring in a veteran QB. Do you see the regime bringing back Stidham with a free agent quarterback and forgoing that position in this year's draft with a heavy focus on defense instead? If I'm Stidham, I think I played well enough these last two games that if if we're talking about like bringing in Tom Brady. There's no way in hell I'm coming back here knowing that I'm not going to play at all behind Tom Brady. I mean, I think he, I think he played well enough to deserve, you know, at least like a, one of those kind of mid-range backup quarterback deals, you know, five million or something like that, where there's maybe some hope of, of competition, you know, against a, a youngster. So I, I don't think I don't see Stidham coming back if it's you know a huge big name free agent that they bring in. Maybe there's not a market for him to have that sort of opportunity elsewhere, um, and he ends up coming back to somewhere where he's, he's comfortable and knows the system. But, you know, it, I think it sort of depends. I think if they, in terms of the, the, the veteran route, if they sound like a mid-tier veteran, like a Jimmy G or something, I don't really know what would be the point of bringing back Stidham really, or even Tom Brady, really. Like, it's, if you're going to get get a guy like that where you know they're the starter, you, you might as well. It doesn't have to be the first round, but second round, third round, you might as well draft a quarterback 
that has a little bit of more upside um, that you can work on developing, you know, behind that, that veteran. And so I think that would more so be the uh, approaches, uh, especially since they have some extra draft capital would be to, you know, pair that veteran with the, with the rookie you can develop rather than double down on, on veterans at quarterback. Well, they're talking to them now. I think they're trying to find a price that will uh, entice them not to test the market. I think for him, he likes it here. He played well in, in, against Niners. I think um, he knows the system very well. Some, some security. So there are some reasons why you want to come back versus seeing what's out there in the in the wide open. So and to me, I think it makes sense. I think he's proven he's got some he's got some skill. He's got some moxie. I think in this league nowadays, having a, a good backup quarterback is we've seen is very very important. So as long as the number's not too high, it has to be high enough where he won't test the market. But I think he did a good job. I think his teammates like him. I think he's definitely a good fit. So I think it makes sense to uh, to bring him back. Yeah, and I don't think there's too many places out there that would seriously put him in a, a competition for their starting quarterback. I don't know, maybe the Texans if they decided on to um, start their rookie right away. But I don't think there's too many places that are willing to say, you know, we're going to put Stidham in this competition to be a starting starting quarterback. I mean, yeah, I think the Raiders system probably is his his best fit. I think he knows that too. I think he'd want to have a good idea. Like, is Brady coming in here ahead of me? And I, I'm back sitting behind him, and, and I know I'm never going to see the field. Um, oh, you never know. He is 46, and the offensive line has some issues. So. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Question here from Justin J. Do you think Ziggler focuses on effective but aging veterans in free agency or under-the-radar players? Please no more just signing up a bunch of Chandler Joneses. I, I would hope he'd, he'd be looking for those younger ascent. Chandler Jones uh, came on strong, man. He made some plays for three or four games in a row there. He was dealing before he got hurt. He's back, baby. He's back. I think on defense, they need some more sh- Maybe not older guys, but just some more sure commodities. Like it's just so like the defense is just so bad at all three levels. Like I don't know how if you're just taking a bunch of shots on a guy on a bunch of guys that like haven't done anything yet. I think that'd be a little a little tricky on on the defensive side of the ball. Either way they go, like whether they you know are going all in or trying to develop, you want that, that unit to improve at least somewhat. And so 
Um, maybe not the super big, you know, Chandler John size deals, but I think some proven veterans on some short term deals um, could be a good way to kind of. I mean, we've seen teams the last couple of years do that plug and play kind of stuff on defense. The Bengals were a big one um, last season. They signed a bunch. They've kind of kinda gone more than under the radar program. route, though. They've kind of gone those those guys that like. Hadn't done a ton and, and you know, but look like the- they still were like some solid vet, like Mike Hilton, like for example, he just come, comes to mind. Like he, he'd been a starter for a couple of years, like, a, you know, maybe I've misevaluated the question, but I don't know if they've meant like guys who maybe have been backups and hadn't started yet or, you know, kind of part time starters, that kind of thing. Like the Bengals got some guys that like or Tr- Trey Hendrickson, for example, he had come on strong as a starter with the Saints. Like he wasn't the biggest name, but he had, you know had a good season. So. I think that tier of those tier of guys would be fine. Um, in addition to you know whoever they draft, in terms of trying to inject some some short term benefit into the defense without tying yourself to those big big money deals down the road like you did with Chandler Jones. What do you think about Jalen Ramsey? This guy, <laughs> this guy just goes off the deep end. They're like yeah, no no big money guy. Yeah, the guy making twenty million dollars that you got to give a first round pick for. for I sure. mean, he still played at a, a elite level last year. I mean, I, I know he got burned a little in the beginning of the season, but he ended up playing really well. Can he coexist in a locker with Hunter Renfro? Ah, or Devontae Adams. Devontae made him look pretty bad down there in uh, in Los Angeles, man. I think the approach defensively all depends on, on if they sign Tom Brady. If you sign Tom Brady, you have to get older veteran guys who won before and can help you in the short term. If you don't, you have a longer window and a longer plan. You can focus on younger guys with upside, guys who may have not played their best ball yet and may not, you know, need some seasoning, may need some games to kind of uh, reach your potential. But, um those guys aren't going to work for Tom Brady. So if he comes in, it's a clear mandate that we're trying to win now. I need, you know, a bunch of 32-year-old guys who can plug in and, and play hard and, and play well. I don't think they have to be that old. 30, 30, 30. Young compared but to Brady. 30, 30. 28. 28. Can we get some 28, 29-year-olds? Yeah, 20, 28. Some, some 27, 28s is fine. But also, they they like they have a good amount of cast space, but it's not like they just have, like, you know, endless resources here so i think they're gonna have to make some concessions when it comes to building this team out given just all all the holes that they have i mean offensive line defensive line linebacker cornerback and safety are all and obviously quarterback are all positions of need and so you ain't ain't signing top flight guys at all those positions even if you do get tom brady so they're gonna have to get a little creative to 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 improve this roster but if brady does come there probably will be some guys that will want to follow him for a little a little bit cheaper i'm not saying they'll get huge discounts Maybe I don't know. Like I, I guess so. I, I, those guys with the Bucks weren't exactly on discount deals. They, they, well, the, the Bucks, the Bucks well. team was pretty much well yeah. was pretty well yeah, constructed yeah. by the time he came in. Yeah, maybe they got that Las Vegas state tax. No, no state tax. Maybe that can help 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 them take a couple. couple I mean, the question will be: Will those guys realistically view the Raiders as a contender? I mean, because that's what. That's how you typically attract those those veterans to kind of take those little bit cheaper deals. Is they're doing ring chasing. Are people re- are those players really going to look at the Raiders and and say, yeah, I can go chase a ring there with Brady? Uh, maybe, but I don't know. We we all know too. With free agency, it's like proven players are hard to find in free agency. I mean, if a guy is that good, teams generally do not let them get to free agency. So yeah, I mean, sometimes they do, but it's really hard to to try to rebuild your team just by plucking and and grabbing different guys that are out there in free agency. So um, yeah, I think either way, the the draft is going to have to be a big component of this. Just because they just have so many needs that, and if, if Ziggler's going to stick to his word, like that's how you, you you build that kind of you know long term successes. Obviously, guys on rookie deals that have some potential to improve. Yeah, whatever happens at quarterback, I mean Ziggler and McDaniel's fate is tied to how well they draft. I mean that was the problem here the last few regimes. 
Uh, look at you know all the guys who have been picked and are now gone. So they have to draft well starting this year. I mean, this past year, I'm not, I mean, it's kind of a weird uh, year. They have a trade with the top two picks. But this, this year they got plenty of picks. They need guys who are both impact guys and also guys who can you know, maybe grow into being those kind of guys in the future. So they got to draft well starting uh, this year. All right, here's a question from Mario P. Can the defense be significantly improved after only one offseason? There are those that believe so, but I just don't see it being possible. Also, should the Raiders bring back Perryman and or Yassin? Historically, defense fluctuates a lot. You know, even top defense. Not here. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. The Raiders have been one of the weirdly consistent teams defensively. Like, they just stay bottom three, <laughs> which doesn't happen very often, but it, ha- it happens with the Raiders. Man, why, why are you laughing, man? Raider fans are crying. You're laughing about how bad defense has been, man. Sad. It's not funny. Sad. Because they, they defy statistical odds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, significant is is a subjective word. I mean, they were 26 in scoring. Maybe they can get to like 18th. That's significant. They're not about to get a top 10 defense and them like that. But if they can get closer to league average, I think that's that's a realistic goal. That should be the name of our podcast because we've we've spent every off season like for as long as we've been doing the show just talking about can their defense get closer to league average? Yeah, I mean. Uh, they have a lot of issues on that side of the ball, and we don't really know if coaching is one of them yet, I don't think, because of the, the talent was just so bad last year that oh, there, was, there was only so much they could do. But even if they do improve the roster, if they have some coaching issues, they might continue to hold them back. And so it, it's, it's really hard to say. Um, but on, on, on to Perriman, I think it's tough, man. Like, I know he's he's a locker room favorite, and you know he's really developed to a leader, but He's, he's over 30 now. Um, he's a guy that pretty much every year has been injured at some point in his career. And I'm not saying he's he's telling you to back up the Brinks truck, but it's probably going to cost a decent amount of money. And do, do you feel you know comfortable making a, a commitment to a guy that is getting older and, and has dealt with injuries pretty frequently throughout his career? And in Rocky Sin, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I don't think he's ever played a full season in his career. He's a young guy, has a lot of potential, but can he stay on the field? And so... I think for both of those guys, the price would have to be right in order in terms of bringing them back. Like if they get, you know, an offer that blows them out of the water, they probably let them go. But, you know, I think they both show flashes of guys that can be solid, you know, players on this defense. But, you know, availability uh, is a concern with both of them. And, and so it just kind of depends, especially, you know, I mean, Perriman Par- had surgery, you know, after he got hurt last last season and Yassin had a lingering knee injury. So these aren't just little bumps and bruises. Like these are pretty significant ones. And so I think that all factors into it as much as how well they play. I think ideally you can build a defense up in a couple of years. I think it's probably a two-year process if you, if you draft well and you sign some guys who can actually come in and make plays. I don't think I don't think Paramount's back. I don't think he's a great fit for the system. I think he played uh, – obviously he makes plays. He's a downhill guy, but I'm not sure he's a great fit for the system. And I think uh, – I thought Rocky Sin was, was fine. I think um, – my sense is that the team, the, the front office and the coaching staff was a little underwhelmed by him this year. I don't think he uh, was a guy they feel they have to have back or really may want to have back. So I look at it, I'm, I look at maybe just three guys back, three starters back next year. I got uh, I got Crosby, Jones, and I got Nate Hobbs. I'm not sure I see, I mean, and Harmon might be back as a, maybe like you know, a, a possible backup or swing safety, but I, I only see three guys back on, on the defense next year. Maybe Devon Diablo. He's got a rookie deal that played moderately well yeah, last but year. If he's back, is he going to be a starter though? I don't know if he's going to be a starter. I mean, he'll come back, but I'm not sure he's going to 
big guy you plug in as a starter. Yeah, outside of that, probably that comes to mind is Andrew Billings at defensive tackle. He was really good as a run stuffer and probably, probably pretty cheap. So and then maybe be close to like four or five starters back. But I think it'd be good for them to – I think it is best for them to have like, you know, five or six new starters for sure because they have some serious areas of weakness that they need to improve. I wonder what they'll do philosophically from a team building standpoint. Do they go all in and trying to build the best defensive line that they can? Or do they kind of go what the Patriots typically have done before this year was try to get to build out the best secondary possible, go back back to front? Yeah, I wonder which direction Ziegler is going to end up um, going towards. I mean, you already have one elite player. On, on your on your front line with with Max Crosby, so it would seem to be that would be the direction I would go. I mean, we've seen that that's been like kind of the 49ers method is is building up that defensive front, and I mean since that's that's the one place where you have an elite player on defense, that's the direction I would go. I mean, if you could, I mean, just think if you could build up a defensive front that had some some real juice on the inside, um, plug in anybody kind of decent on the other side. I mean, it could be Chandler Jones for the next couple of years or whatnot. But man, if you if you had Whoa, whoa, just, just next, next year. <laughs> Jones for one yeah, more year, yeah, not next, next yeah. couple of years. But, easy. Yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, you, you, it would just be, it would be fun to see, we see how good Crosby is now. It would be fun to see him playing alongside, uh, you know, at least one other elite guy up front. I haven't been reading the mock drafts. Is there another defensive tackle? I know Jalen Carter is the number one guy. Is there another guy that's hyped up as a top 10 guy? No, not really. After him, it's kind of like Brian Breesey from Clemson, who's like more potential than anything. He didn't really do much in his college career. He's a five-star guy, a lot of talent, but the production just wasn't there. So defensive tackle-wise, it's really Jalen Carter. Um, after that, it's kind of like, you know, edge rushers who can kind of, uh, what's the word, rotate inside like a uh, Will Anderson or Miles Murphy or, you know, those kind of guys. So it's not really – wouldn't be the greatest fit in the world um, with with some of those players. With Chandler Jones, I think they would have to kind of split slap, split snaps a little bit and like maybe play guys that don't have enough weight inside. You know, with this sort of multiple front that they do, they, they seem to like bigger defensive linemen on the interior, and, and those guys don't really fit it. And so that's again, they're, they're kind of in a weird spot at that at that seven seventh pick when it comes to adding impact players really on either side of the ball um, that they want to target. I had one more thought on, on Denzel Perriman. Um, I got to give him his respect, man. He's the only good linebacker in the last 20 years. So if he does go, he definitely uh, was a source of some good highlights and some good uh, locker room takes. But uh, definitely he'll be missed, I think, based on what we've seen at linebacker the last 20 years. But uh, ideally they get guys who fit the system better and can make some plays. And-, and the other consideration with Perryman is he was very good for them based on the fact that he was making $3 million per year. I mean, that $2 million, that two-year $6 million contract that they acquired in that trade, that added to his value because you had a, a you know a Pro Bowl linebacker who was making you know barely over league minimum salary. And so if you bring him back, you're not bringing him back at $3 million per year. All right, a couple more questions here before we get out of here. Uh, this one from Jess A. wants to know, how attached at the hip are Ziggler and McDaniels? Is this a complete package deal with no exceptions, or is there a possibility that if things go sideways next year, Ziggler would stay and McDaniel's would go? How about that silence? What are the crickets? Crickets. You, you had you had a nice smirk going the whole time, Vic. I did. I think that's a question for maybe a couple of years from now. I think they're definitely a couple of years now, from now. Like, yeah, man, how, I mean, how how long I, do I they got? That's just, 
They're building a pro- it's a process, man. They're building something. So give them a chance to build it. Um, but like all marriages, at some point there might be there might be a crossroads. You look across, you're like, what the hell am I doing with this person? This is not working out. So um we're not there yet, but uh you never know what's gonna happen at some point. They may have to like you know, uh Ziegler may have to say, you know what, uh, let's try something else. But um we're not there yet. We're not even close there. We're it's a happy marriage, everyone's you know, we're we're singing in the car to, to songs together. We're like, you know, sharing each other's meals. Everyone's happy right now. So let's uh, let's focus on that. They already kicked out a family member. They already kicked out Derek Carr. So they kicked him out of the car already. He was adopted. He, he was a friend. There. He wasn't their kid. Yeah. yeah, I think the only way is if they like they build what Mark Davis perceives to be a good roster and then they lose because of what he what, some kind of coaching issue. And that, that's really about the only world that I could see. Like, like I guess that's kind of what happened with the Colts. At least for now, it seems like they're keeping their GM. But, like, you know, they, they built what they thought was one of the better rosters in the league, and they kept losing. And so maybe that, that kind of situation comes up. But it's, it's kind of hard to envision them not being a, a complete package deal. Has anybody ever gotten more chances to try to find a quarterback than Chris Ballard? And everybody still loves him. It's crazy. Like, he's, <laughs> he keeps fucking up at, like, the most important position in the world. And everybody's like, oh, I love this guy. He's so great at building the roster. They haven't won a division in, what, like, six years? They haven't won in, ja- they haven't won in Jacksonville in, what, like, four or five years? Something like that? They can't even win in Jacksonville. I think part of that is because he gives the best access in the league. He gives people behind-the-scenes looks. He's, like, talking to people Smart. constantly. I mean, the reporters have an open-door policy, so I think... There's a reason he's beloved because he kind of shows all his cars and lets people know what he's doing, and he's a nice guy. So obviously they went with the veteran quarterback. You know, three or four times didn't work out, and he still got another shot. But um, I think part of that is just like you know being accessible and quote unquote honest about what you're doing, what you're trying to do. It gives you some time. All right, we'll go with the last question here. Uh, this is from Mark C, and I, I might combine a little bit of uh, one from Scott F. But Mark at Wow, collaborate. Well, they're both asking about the same man. Um, Mark says, uh, how much of the Raiders' dysfunction can be laid at the feet of Mark Davis? After all, he's not dropping passes, calling plays, throwing out of bounds on fourth down, or missing blocks. Is Mark Davis involved with draft decisions or personnel? Mark takes a lot of heat from fans, but is it warranted? And then uh, Scott also asked about Mark Davis. Um, one of the biggest criticisms I've heard of Mark Davis, aside from the bull cut, is that he's the poorest owner in the league. I hope a few years in Vegas has started to fill his bank account, but does an owner's wealth truly tie to the ability of a team to be successful? Are these just perceptions and intangible benefits, or are there tangible reasons that wealth can have an effect on an NFL team's success? Um, I think I'll start there by saying that yes, it can, because it allows you to better structure contracts if you're able to give more upfront signing bonuses if you have that money to you know, when whenever you hear about these contracts that have you know 50 million guaranteed all that like that money has to be provided upfront it has to be put in an escrow account like you can't just I'm guaranteeing you you know 100 million dollars in this contract just, just trust me I'll have it when you need it like that con that money has to be put in an escrow account and so um, wealth is important because you know to make some of these deals and and when you want to when you want to kind of create salary cap space that you see a lot of these teams do, it's because they're able to do these things with signing bonuses that they can stretch out over time, and so they're able to to have the more flexibility. Whereas if you look at the Raiders' contracts of the last couple of years, um, the signing bonuses have been very small uh, on most of these deals, and, and you know and that is is certainly a sign of a of a team that doesn't have the the up the the cash flow of other teams to be able to to structure contracts in the in the right way, and then. 
it, it also comes down to when you make mistakes on, with coaches or, or personnel that you know, executives that you, know, you could say, all right, I'm going to blow $20 million here to, to fix my mistake. You know, I mean, all you have to do is look at the Rams when it comes to people ask every year, how do they keep making these this cap space work? I mean, that's how their owner is filthy rich and I hate them. But um, the in terms of it, it can't be worked around, though, it kind of depends. I mean, like the Rooney family is not at all like high amongst, you know, the wealth rankings among NFL owners. I think they're right around where Mark Davis is and the Steelers haven't had a losing record in like, what, 16 years or something like that. And so. I think you can counter it if you're like very adept when it comes to with the Steelers. Remember until until T.J. Watt's deal, like they had this stubborn thing about oh they you know how they guarantee contracts. Like they were like you know refused to like throw in too many guarantees. Like they've been you know they've had to ad- adapt to that because you have a guy like T.J. Watt who's going to demand it. But they they were like really stubborn with uh, with kind of some aspects of their contracts that so they were able to that kind of I can't help circumvent that. And they've been amazing at drafting. The Steelers are one of the best drafting teams of you know in in the league yeah they want two super bowls doing it so it must be working out pretty well so i think that's where it comes in terms of your football knowledge if you're able to hire the correct people then you can counterbalance you know whatever wealth you know you may be lacking and mark davis has hadn't shown he's been able to hire the right hire the right people so far i mean whether it's gms or head coaches they haven't panned out and i mean i mean the buck stops for him when it comes to that and so you know i mean his financial situation is what it is it's going to get better with them being in vegas but that doesn't completely absolve him when it comes to this franchise's ineptitude uh, is 20 years or so. And so it, if, if you're able to make some some strong hires, you can – I mean, even the Bengals, they're another team that's not very wealthy. Um, and, and we've seen them really – they didn't – you know, they, they couldn't get over the hump and they still haven't won a Super Bowl or anything like that. But they've been in the playoffs for most of this, this century. And so, you know, it, it's something where I think that's where – I won't say he doesn't know football, but like he hasn't been able to hire the right football people. Um, and you have to put that blame on him. Yeah, I think Vegas is definitely a cash cow. I think uh, COVID kind of kept the cow in the barn for a while. But I think now the cow's starting to walk around, stretch his legs a little bit. I think uh, maybe not right now, maybe by next year. I think um, Davis will be pretty flush. I think the money is no longer uh, – the, the cash is no longer the issue that it was. It's definitely not been solved yet. Not like, But I think it's definitely trending in the right direction. So I think um, – at some point, that excuse won't be valid anymore. I think as far as um, putting it all on him, that's tough. I mean, there's been a lot of bad decisions uh, made, not just by him, but by others in organizations. So, um, but, you know, like uh, like Deshaun said, when you lose 18 out of 20 years, I mean, there's only a few common denominators, and he's one of them in the last decade. So I think ideally he got this one right with Ziegler, and we'll see what Dave does in the draft and the free agency, and then that will also – kind of determine how Mark's seen as um, his role. But if this doesn't work out, then that would be another another failed regime under his watch. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, obviously he um, he's not making personal decisions, but definitely he's involved in the sense that he signs the checks, and I think he definitely has a voice on some things. So, um, yeah, they, they got you got to win. I mean, if you win, then things change, and they haven't won, so. I want to go find this cow, like leaving the barn, stretching their legs. He's got he's got the sunglasses on right now. He's like, checking out the other cows. He's he's pretty happy right yeah, now. Cows in Vegas, yeah, man. That's, I didn't know we had those out here. There's got to be a cow somewhere in Vegas, right? That's their favorite. They're they're probably well done before they even hit the grill. You need some <laughs> need some grass. Oh man, you need some grass, man. To all our listeners out there who are vegans, I apologize for Ted Wynn. I was uncalled for. So disrespectful. 
All right, guys. Well, uh, th there are a lot of a lot of questions here that we did not get to, uh, but we will, uh, you know, we'll recircle back to some of these uh, next week, and uh, we'll, we'll get some of those. Uh, we will have a lot of Senior Bowl talk next week. Deshaun will be in, uh, yes. in Mobile, Alabama, checking out uh, Patrick Graham, uh, head coach of uh, what was he? He's got the North and the South. Who does he have? National. National. national okay. Team. Yeah, yeah. National, and that's that's what it goes now. Okay. Who's the best quarterback at the at the Senior Bowl, Deshaun? Uh, Max, Ma Max Duggan, I think. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is actually Duggan. Oh, the next Brock Purdy. Uh, yeah. So. Ooh, there you go. Are, are you going to get any? Exciting. Are you going to get any reps at linebacker? Hey man, I think I let that one die, man. Let that thing die. Hey man, McDaniel's wants him. He wants me out. He wants me out there. What can I say? I'm gonna talk to Patrick and see what I can do. Get in there, you know, lay a couple hits down. It's practice. It's just two hand touch anyway. I can get out there. We get you in the. Uh, you can play in the Pro Bowl. That's that is it's flag football, right? Yeah, that's actually flag football. I, I have a, a pretty good shot in the Pro Bowl. I think I, I think I can do all right out there. I'm not gonna be trying. They're all gonna be hungover from the night before in Vegas. So like, will you though? Get out there and do something. <laughs> all right, everybody. We will talk to you guys again next week. Uh, Deshaun will join us from Mobile, Alabama. And then going back to the South Country. Woo. All right, y'all. Adios.